0: Because we just wanted to surprise the listeners, this is MuggleCast episode 271 for December 24th, 2013. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mugglecast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 271. Yes, can you believe it? We are back. We're for, back. For a limited time only. <laughs> uh, Eric, Wait. Mike, and I are here. What?
1: So does that, if we're only back for a limited time, is this the gold edition, the silver edition, the platinum edition? What is it?
0: Uh, gold. Gold. Okay. So this is a special end of year episode. Eric and Micah thought, you know, we just want to cast again, and I said, you know, okay, and then, <laughs> and here we are, and uh,
1: we. Andrew's just being modest.
0: We've obviously kept it a surprise. We didn't want to. Well, I suggested we keep it a surprise that way. It's
1: it's a little more well, fun that way. It, I think. it was a surprise. I, I don't think people really got the tweet.
0: Yeah, nobody that we understood put out
1: over your the tweet. weekend oh, no, get... that's such a great quote.
0: What was the tweet that you
1: wrote? I will have to look it up.
0: It is, the things we lose have a way of coming back to us in the end. <laughs> and then this weird hashtag, 122313. I what thought the hashtag
2: mean? was it is part of something bigger. What I clicked on it, and I didn't understand. Er, er, it wasn't yeah. just a Harry Potter hashtag,
0: right? Micah, what does it mean? I'm lost.
1: Well... It may not just be a, a Harry Potter hashtag, but I, I, I just kind of made that up on my own. And well, it's I the didn't worst realize... thing I've
0: ever read on Twitter. It's the worst <laughs> hashtag ever.
1: <laughs> Why? But you can't just put all numbers. And...
0: Yeah, but what? The, what are the anyway, other people have used it matter. though? Can't you click on it and see the other tweets?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't... I'm sure person, you could.
0: One person has used it in the history of Twitter. It's <laughs>
1: well, the it's worst today's hashtag. date, right?
0: I guess, I guess.
1: Well, the, the, the quote was creative, wasn't it? I mean, come
0: on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Micah, you
2: couldn't resist doing that, teasing people, being able to then point out on the show, such as this, hey, I told you this was coming, but, you know, on a personal level, I think that many of our listeners, uh, who, who've stuck with us, you know, for, for quite some time and we still get emails and we still get comments will enjoy waking up on Christmas morning and finding this, uh, a new Mugglecast <laughs> episode under their iTunes, uh, I like uh, that. you
1: know, tree. You've, you've already determined the release date. I thought Andrew was going to release this today sometime this evening. Really?
2: Yeah. Okay. Then a little early. This is the, we're the guys, we're the present that you can open the night before Christmas.
0: That is so sweet. That is great. <laughs> um so our last episode was September 12th. Obviously a lot has has happened since then and that September 12th episode was actually our fantastic beasts episode. It was the one uh after J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers announced the spin-off movie franchise. Um There's been, there hasn't really been any news about that since then, but there's been plenty of news and we're going to talk about, uh, several topics today. And we're also going to look ahead to what Harry Potter fans have to look forward to in 2014, because there's actually a lot, as you'll see in the news here. We're going to continue with the show in just a moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. Today, I am going to recommend Fangirl by Rainbow Roll. Now, you may be a fangirl, you may be a fanboy, you may even be a casual one of those two titles. Um, but Fangirl is the perfect book for a Harry Potter fan. In fact, while you're reading it, you're going to see some similarities to your fandom life. That's why I love it so much. It is about a girl who writes fan fiction and meets a boy who doesn't understand her... um Fandom interests at first, but he comes around and, quite honestly, he's an amazing boyfriend. Any one of us would be lucky to have him. Again, it's Fangirl by Rainbow Roll. You can get it for absolutely free by visiting audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast to get an audiobook of your choice for absolutely free. We thank Audible for their support of the show. So... Micah, do you still want me to do the news? <laughs> or do you? <laughs> are you prepared?
1: It, it is a bit difficult, you know, coming back to this, this news studio here because it's, it's a mess. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, cobwebs. Uh, the lights barely work. And, um, there's some, you know, garbage strewn all over the floor. So I guess some rowdy kids must have gotten in here <laughs> at some point. Over the last several months, and just had a uh, pretty wild party, but I, I think I might be able to handle this. You know, oh. if, uh, it's 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 been a while, okay. but uh, uh, I I can start out, go and ahead. if I screw up, you can feel free to jump in at any time.
0: Sure, go ahead.
1: How's that? Sounds so, good. <laughs> probably the the biggest piece of news uh, that has been announced, and it happened quite recently, is that. J.K. Rowling is going to be co-producing a Harry Potter play following Harry's pre-Hogwarts years. And this was a rumor, uh, or it started as a rumor, and then it was confirmed. And I didn't even know she had an official Facebook page, but it has been been? confirmed (laughs) on J.K. Rowling's official Facebook page. You know, um, hopefully you know, Mike, she updates that more than she updates her Twitter.
2: You know, she Mike, does. I was going to say you stop following her on Twitter. She talks about her Facebook page on Twitter all the time.
1: Oh uh, Well, that must be it. Uh, and uh, I, I guess that makes me a bad fan at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of does.
1: Does this really uh, excite people? I mean, are, are people looking forward to this? Is yeah. it? just going to be on the west end is it going Yeah, migrate its way to Broadway at some point. Well,
0: there's a lot to talk about here. Um like you said, it was a rumor, it was something reported by the Daily Mail and they're not always very reliable. So it was hard to believe, but they did have a quote from JK Rowling in it about this. So that told me that this was legitimate because they were quoting her. Um and then she did confirm it the next morning. And uh so People are excited, but there is, uh, people are, are nervous about this because the first thing that comes to mind when you hear Harry's pre Hogwarts years, that this play is going to follow his pre Hogwarts years is what, isn't the whole point that he wasn't doing anything before Hogwarts? <laughs> well, so what is yeah. this? It's the
2: part of Harry Potter, the boy wizard, when he's not a wizard yet. Exactly. And it's like, well, oh, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's he's basic. You imagine just on the surface, you're like, well, okay, he was being abused by the Dursleys. And
0: you can't really turn that into a whole play. And then there's also the worrying part of, uh, well, another worrying part is that she's not writing it. So then you wonder, <laughs> she is co producing, which is good. She is involved, but she's not writing it. So then you're wondering, so how much of this, what we see in the play is actually from J.K. Rowling's mind? Is it canon or is this <laughs> just another fan-made thing? Um, and I, so it is, it's, it's worrying. I mean, Eric, what was your reaction? Yeah. Um,
2: my reaction was, I'm sure it will be heartwarming. My reaction was to hope that there would be little bits of magic um because i i guess i'm not one for like just the straight drama just ball your eyes out this child is being mistreated um i want some of those elements what i remember the very few things that exist you know before harry's uh carted away by hagrid to hogwarts is like the moment he ends up on the school's kitchens because uh dudley's uh, friends are chasing him and all of a sudden he he basically apparates although it's not described that way he just all of a sudden appears on a rooftop. And I'm thinking that would be a great, you know, cliffhanger or moment in the play. If they were to dramatize any of the stories, you'd want to include those, those moments where yes, he showed magic, but he still doesn't know why or how, or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. I I think that would be uh, kind of more interesting than just the fact that the Dursleys abuse him. But then if the Dursleys are abusing him, you also want to include the reason for it, which is that they fear him. They fear, you know, where his parents came from, that kind. So, in a way, it isn't just c- sort of a muggle play, no matter what. It has to do with Harry's identity, well, you know, as a wizard, but I think they should include magic wherever possible. Um, because that's kind of the selling point.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the, inf- the official description of this play so far, Says, what was it like to be the boy in the cupboard under the stairs? This brand new play, which will be developed for the UK theater, will explore the previously untold story of Harry's early years as an orphan and outcast, featuring some of our favorite characters from the Harry Potter books. Our favorite? Don't they this... mean least favorite? Well, oh, hold well, on. No. Uh, yeah, I right, think go what's going to happen... Let me finish this first. It says, this new work will no. offer a unique insight into the heart and mind of the now legendary young wizard, a seemingly ordinary boy... One for whom Destiny has plans. I think what they're gonna do, this, in response to this little featuring some of our favorite characters from the Harry Potter books line, is they're gonna include the Weasley family. I think that's a must. Um, I think they'll include Ron and Hermione. I think they'll be big parts of the story. You see them, uh, getting ready for Hogwarts. And the Weasley family would actually add a lot of magic to this play. Because, Like Eric is saying, you know, you're going to see a lot of the Dursleys and there's no magic there. And that's not Harry Potter. It's not nothing is Harry Potter without magic. You know, Mm. you need the magic. So I think the Weasleys will be in this to a great extent.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that you can focus a whole lot on Harry himself. I think Mm -hmm. you can focus on Harry's story and, and that doesn't necessarily directly involve him and so when you talk about favorite characters i like the idea of what's going on with the weasleys what's going on with the grangers but but even with hermione you're you're somewhat limited there as well because you know, she's sort of coming into her own and possibly her parents aren't quite sure what's happening to her uh as well so i think you know when i first read this and and then you you shared the description i thought you know harry's story pre-harry doesn't necessarily have to be You know, him, him growing up, but that does seem like what it's going to be. But I think that they can incorporate other characters, other things that are going on at that time with, you know, and kind of interspersing Harry's story among that. So, Mm -hmm. you're, go ahead.
2: Yeah, maybe they will, instead of doing, like, Ron and Hermione, what they were up to, because that's kind of just like a regular Harry Potter book, what if they did, like, Dumbledore and Hagrid and McGonagall? Like, Dumbledore is the reason Harry went to Privet Drive, so I think at some point he would check in on him or kind of figure out from afar somehow that, you know, kind of just reaffirming his own decision to leave Harry with his... His family members, you know, yeah. I don't think he'd drop him on the doorstep. Okay, I wash my hands of this. See you in eleven years. You know, I think Dumbledore would care. I guess how? Uh, I mean, he ne- he never intervened. I'm not suggesting that happened because we know that Harry was horribly mistreated and it and it lended to his modesty, uh, which is very important in later you know years. But at the same time, I think it would be interesting in this play if there is a conversation, much like the one McGonagall and Dumbledore had. When the, before they left him at the Dursleys, saying, you know, was this the right decision? Um, and have somebody like a caregiver that we know of looking, you know, kind of yeah. in on Harry.
1: And, and I'm sure it's going to open, you know, at Godric's Hollow. And, and you know, Harry is really young, obviously, at that time. And you'll see the whole, you know, Voldemort incident. And then it goes on from there. And it, to me, it would end with Hagrid telling Harry that he's a wizard. And, yes. It's That's it's so it's everything too. that that takes place in between those pivotal moments that were so crucial to the series and how they choose to go about that. You know, you mentioned J.K. Rowling's a co-producer, I, and and not necessarily a writer, but I'm sure anything that happens it has to have her blessing. I I will say this though, kind of in closing, when I first read about this and and just knowing J.K. Rowling and 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 knowing that. She's, she's oftentimes stayed away from this sort of thing. I couldn't help but think of, of, you know, she's, she's really kind of squeezing this for all it's worth at this point.
0: Yeah. You know, it feels like that to you now.
1: It, it, a little bit. Cause I, I don't necessarily know that this is something that, that needs to happen. It's, yeah. it, if it, she could, she could write about this. There, there's other ways of telling this story, but I feel like this is, this is milking it a little bit.
0: I don't, I agree with you, actually. I was just about to bring this up. You just have to wonder why. Like, why does this have to become a thing? Uh, She said in a statement with this announcement that many ideas have been presented to her, her, but this is the only one that she finds can work. Um, And it makes me think, like, is she just sick and tired of people coming after her for the stage (laughs) rights? And she's just like... Throwing her hands up, and she's just like, "Okay, fine. This is the one we're going to go with. Everybody, stop bothering me now." I just, I just don't understand the point of this happening. Why does it need to happen? Yeah, I don't think it's,
2: I don't think it's J.K. Rowling milking it though. I think it is the demand from the audience for what is still a hot property, for, you know, to produce more things. I mean, it's really like this huge demand, and Isn't J.K.
1: Rowling demand? is there. Is there, not think there's,
2: because, because ultimately these people came to J.K. Rowling, these writers, and said, we want to make a play about Harry Potter. Here's some ideas. What's the most likely? Can we do this? Like somebody else approached Joe. Joe's not saying how else can I, what, what part of Harry's story didn't I tell? She said, you know, from the beginning, she was very content leaving it as it was in seven books. But now that we've seen, um, this play is happening and the fantastic piece movie what she's actually writing which is like hey okay so she is returning to harry but really it's all about these little moments that are side stories you know for for, for her and i think she is losing a little um resistance that that she had i think she is giving in in a way but not selling <laughs> but not selling out
1: you know no i, I don't Episode think title. she's selling out i think there's a
2: big difference between
1: milking it You know, know, what's her story? If she wants to put it on the West End, then go for it. It's just it—it seems like it's a bit of overkill to me.
0: Yeah, and but then I've also wondered. So why does Fantastic Beast not feel the same way? Like why am I? Feeling this way about the play, but not Fantastic Beasts, and I think the reason is that Fantastic A different Beasts, different story. Yeah, it's just completely new. Exactly, it's like there's all this potential here. Whereas you look at this play, and you you can see, you can imagine it, and it just doesn't look that great. Whereas uh, Fantastic Beasts, it's so exciting because you can't even imagine what the, what they're going to come up with, and what J.K. Rowling is so excited about with this. Uh, so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, this play to me seems more like a character story. I don't think they'll actually be as literal with, like, time passaging as we're thinking, like opening with Voldemort killing Lillian James and the ending with Hagrid at the Rock. I think it may take place, kind of. it may begin and end in the middle somewhere and just be about how a boy deals with his relatives, his only family hating him. You know, it could be very cerebral, it could be very... Young, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with magic, but is still Harry.
0: It's also interesting that this is not, this is that there is not even a play about what takes place in the Harry Potter books. That instead, J.K. Rowling wanted to do something that we've never even seen before. Yeah. I mean, when has that happened before? If you look at other books that have been adapted for the stage, I don't even know if that's happened. I'm sure it has a couple of times, but nobody like Harry Potter just breaks all the rules when it comes to development and different areas of entertainment um so uh, i wanted to mention though that i on Hypable i did an article what was harry up to pre-hogwarts because that's obviously the big question here Do, did jk rowling ever mention anything that harry was up to before hogwarts and it turns out that um the harry potter lexicon we all know the the good old lex uh, the good old harry potter lexicon by steve van Der ark he there's a section in harry potter's area on the HP lexicon with all the info we know about what Harry was up to pre-Hogwarts. And uh, the short answer is not much, but J.K. Rowling in the books did make a couple of references, including uh, one incident where uh, Petunia cut all of Harry's hair and then overnight it grew back. And then another incident, Dudley and his friends were chasing Harry at, at school when Harry magically transported himself up onto the rooftop. These are little things, though. They're not like things that can drive an entire play. Um, mm. So in other words, whatever is going to be in this play is going to be entirely new and hopefully canon.
2: I mean, yeah, I it- think J.K. Rowling producing it means that it will be canon, or at least canon, insofar as an interpretation of Harry's character, can be canon.
0: If if this turns out to be really good, I think what the problem is right now is, from a marketing perspective, it just got off to a bad start. hmm. Like, J.K. Rowling could be saying right now, maybe she should be saying right now, guess what, guys? I'm dropping a ton of new info in this Harry Potter (laughs) play. You're going to learn some crazy stuff that you never knew before. You know, this is going to be exclusive to the play. Um I think she should say something like that if that's actually what's gonna be happening here. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's like eh. Glad you agree with me, Micah. Now another
2: comment about this um that i had was that all of the the actors are you know pretty good stage actors we know F- fiona shaw is currently <laughs> in a play richard griffiths however he passed away but um he and dan Radcliffe were on broadway harry melling uh is on the west end um rupert Grant is right now sir. currently rupert Grant is everybody's doing stage now and i just wonder who they might cast for the Dursleys, I, I don't think they'll cast P- Fiona Shaw, and, and Harry Melling, just like Dan, is too old to play young Harry. But, uh, yeah. I'm really, I'm going to be looking most forward to seeing
0: casting about <laughs> this play, which yeah. I'm sure the info. When about is it is. slated to open? 15? 2015. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. yeah. They're going to be working on it
1: this year. So
0: yeah, I'm, I'm just very meh about it personally. We'll, see. well, I
1: know I know what you're not mad about it, what uh, expansion of the wizarding world in Orlando Florida
0: oh you're right you're
1: right so uh I was actually in Orlando not that long ago last week uh actually and I did get a chance to go over unfortunately to the wizarding world to see all the uh construction that's being done but uh it looks like uh little bits of uh buildings and other uh structures are starting to be revealed
0: yeah um so we got to look at grimwald place because the scaffolding came down uh but universal's kept very quiet over the past few months probably since our last episode i don't think much has been revealed we know that the leaky cauldron restaurant is going to be there we also found out that this is actually pretty interesting the beetle beetle the bards um Fountain of Fair Fortune is going to be in this park, even though it has no connection to Diagon Alley. It looks like it's going to be outside of the ice cream shop, Florian mm. Fortescue's, which is in the Harry Potter, uh, art, which is in the Harry Potter books mm. reference that is in Diagon Alley. Um, so, but the, but the big, bigger news is that they are finally getting ready to unveil a ton of new information they're actually doing it a month from today january 23rd they are doing a half hour webcast and they haven't said what they're unveiling exactly but that's part of the fun so considering it's a half hour they're probably gonna have a lot to share and hopefully some new concept art i mean we've only seen one piece of concept art so far. And it was just that overview of the park. Right. So we're definitely due for some new looks and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm just watching this video. The commercial that we sucks. Have, uh, the commercial. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen the commercial yet. <laughs> they've, yeah, they've done two teaser commercials so far. And one of them promises, um, in 2014, Universal Orlando will bring you the end of vacationing as you know it. And they're basically.
1: There's no tie to Potter there whatsoever, no, though. No. And That's the, what makes it terrible.
0: The commercial just has very bland shots of, on purpose, bland shots of like a water park and a beach. Universal's basically saying that what we have to offer in Diagon Alley is going to be like nothing ever before, which may be true. It just seems pretty. Ballsy. Well,
1: here's the thing, though, is that if you're not familiar with the music or you're not familiar with that lightning bolt that takes the place of the, the, one, the one, you have no idea what they're referring to.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. If the, I mean, it, if it airs during the Super Bowl, which apparently they're airing a commercial during the Super Bowl, if it does air then, then, yeah, that's probably a mistake. Um, but for right now, just online, I think it's fine.
1: I'm sure they'll be able to reveal a little bit more by the time the uh, Super Bowl rolls around. But uh, it's it's cool to see that this is coming together, and I mean, I definitely will plan to head back there at some time to uh, to check out all the new stuff that they're putting in place.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There, yeah, you, you know what, in just the, the couple of min, uh in just the minute that it took you guys to talk, I did watch that first trailer, and I completely agree with you. That is really strange and empty and not airy botterish at all, except for the music.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's just one giant tease, a tease of a tease. It's it's yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. (laughs) So, um, I mean, if you look at this expansion though, it's gigantic, particularly, uh, the Gringotts thrill ride, the building is almost as big as the rest of the land the outdoor land of, uh, where, you know, the diagonale walkways are going to be. I mean, it's, it's huge. Um, there's a new flyover video was posted today on MuggleNet and you can see a couple glimpses of the Hogwarts express. Um, you know, you just get a good feel of the size of this project. It's huge.
2: Yeah. Grimmauld place can be seen in the flyover video. Um, and we've, we've got a few photos of, of Grimoire Place already, but it, it looks like that's actually going to be a, a big place to hang out. Not necessarily inside of, but there's a, a lot of land to just stand on in front of Grimoire Place. It like opens up into the waterfront and stuff. So I'm still a little confused how the layout's going to look. Um, and I don't know enough about how Universal looks from above to be able to really point out too many things in the video. Um, but it, you know, takes, it shows the track of the Hogwarts express from the regular universal park to islands of adventure and Hogsmeade and stuff. And I, I, I guess we're not getting many reports over like how Hogsmeade like is dealing with like where the train's going to end up. You know what it, I'm saying? Like
0: it, it goes, they're building a train station, um, mm-hmm. next to the, uh, Dueling Dragons coaster. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. all we really know about it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, um, actually though, while we were talking, I, there is a second commercial for the park that actually uses clips from the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one is, is much better. It's much more clear what, what it is exactly that yeah. you're watching. In fact, in fact, they show Weasley's Wizard Wheezes um, a mm-hmm. clip, which, which makes me very excited for that shop in the theme park.
0: Yeah. Mm. It looks good. I just wonder, um, it's going to be so crowded. I have to think this summer come June when it opens up. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. And the lines for the Hogwarts express. I mean, I can't imagine (laughs) how long it's going to take to get on that train.
1: Yeah, Yeah. It's interesting to, to go to it over the last, uh, you know, couple of years that we've been there. And really the, the last time I was there, I remember it was pretty manageable. And uh, you know, I, th- I think sort of the the initial excitement mm-hmm. wore off for a lot of people. But knowing that this is going to be brand new, mm. really cool from the sound of it, uh it's going to attract a ton of people, especially when it first opens, like you said.
2: Well, yeah, just remembering back a couple of years when the theme park first opened. I mean, even on on a on a regular summer day, there was a line four hours long stretching all the way around like legitimately a circle of – around the park of uh, Universal's Islands of Adventure theme park just to get into the area, to get into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter area. It was like a four-hour line and that was just to get into the park. Forget about Forbidden Journey or any of the – But that was
1: its grand opening though. That that was the first – But it was
2: for months. It was for months. It was like that
1: and – People were standing in line for
2: months. <laughs> no every day it got in and cleared out they right. obviously capped
0: the line at some point but uh you know it took forever to yeah, die that's right was not... a line to get into the lands it wasn't as big as that grand opening day of course but mm-hmm. yeah there was there was a wait time just to get into the wizarding world which and so i i foresee the
2: same thing happening i foresee lines around the park for the harry potter section of the park because it's the newest and the hottest um, but I, I certainly, that's the last thing I'm looking forward to though is, is the crowd. Is the
1: um, line. Yeah. Just, just the cut line. the line. You work for MuggleNet. <laughs>
0: yeah, just flash your MuggleNet ID. I'm going to have to get uh, one printed your out. MuggleCast we'll
1: tattoo. I'll
0: go to, yeah, I'll show them the tattoo.
1: I'll <laughs> show right. them the tattoo. Well, some other news that, uh, surfaced, uh, during our time off. That's a good way to put it, right? Time off.
2: Time off, yeah. Uh,
1: is that Bloomsbury is planning to republish? a fully illustrated set of the Harry Potter books. And, uh, the first is set to be released in September of 2015. And again, this is something I'm not so sure how I feel about.
2: Really? This shocks me.
1: Really? This- fully illustrated. I mean, you're supposed to be using your imagination.
0: Uh, the the purpose of these books is to appeal to younger readers. Um, and they're going to purposely release each book a year apart from one another. So you can kind of grow up with the series and look forward to each new book. Um, I like this idea. I think it's cool. My, my question about it, we were talking about this on hype the other day is how big are these books going to be now that they have pictures in them? I mean, they're big <laughs> enough with just text. It's, it's going to be crazy. Besides Especially when you get the to Phoenix. later
2: books. Book yeah. five is yeah. like a 3 tome novel or a 3 tome. uh, Encyclopedia set, if it, that there are pictures on every page. Right. What shocks me is that it's Bloomsbury doing this and not Scholastic, because Bloomsbury's books, the UK books are boring and the, as they exist currently, they, it's plain text. All of it is in, I think it's Garamond font. They don't even make, okay, I'm trying, I know I'm sounding confused here, but in the American books, growing up reading them, you know this, every time Harry gets a letter, from Hogwarts or the ministry or hagrid it's in a different font it's got the little handwriting it is that one point in book 3 where buckbeak is scheduled to be execution and hagrid has tears on the letter you know it's it's all very well done by the graphics department of scholastic years and years and years ago when these books first came out the uk books aren't like that everything is in the same font and there's none of that extra little magic there's no chapter images that we, that we are used to from Mary Grand Prix. And there's no, you know, different font for, for different people writing. There's no handwriting. It doesn't look anything different than it's, it's so prim. It's so straight. And so to think that Bloomsbury is the one doing a picture book
1: yeah. and,
2: you know, looking well, at
1: these. That doesn't images. mean that Scholastic won't follow suit.
2: Yeah, but looking at these images, and these images look great. The ones, just this one of young Harry that's released, it's yeah. like a watercolor of Harry. It looks gorgeous, and I'm shocked that, um and, and look, I you know, I've always seen these, the, okay, the letter font thing in the UK books is maybe like a training wheels, you know, for us to make it a little bit more magical, a little bit more childish. The British kids don't need that apparently, but, you know, I, I just think it is backwards for them to now do a but, picture book. I think it's going to uh, look great. I,
1: I'm not saying that it's not going to look great. I I think part of it though is that even for younger kids, a lot of what Harry Potter was about was being able to expand the mind and use your imagination. And you look at that picture of Hogwarts that that is depicted there. You know, that's one person's interpretation of it. And I think that you if you have a a generation of kids who are growing up with these picture books in England or wherever else they're sold, they're gonna have this preconceived notion of what all of this is supposed to look like and you can make the argument about that with the films as well right Uh, but i I just find that doing this is um, excessive i i i don't really see the point but that's just me
0: well i mean we've seen the books re-release numerous times since the last one came out even even before they were, even before the f- final book came out, they were still, they were republishing them. Um, this doesn't surprise <laughs> me. I'm looking forward to them. Am I going to buy them? Probably not. If I, am I going to look through them? Definitely. I mean, uh, there could be a new image on every page. And that's kind of cool to mm-hmm. see them illustrated to this level of detail. I mean, they're, Bloomsbury is calling them fully illustrated, which would suggest there's going to be a ton of illustrations in here. So. I don't know. It's cool. I like it. I think the Dan. I think Harry Potter looks just like Dan Radcliffe. Don't you guys agree?
1: Uh, That's another yeah, question, though. Too is, is how much of of this artist's or this illustrator's uh, drawings is going to be influenced by his knowledge of the series from a film standpoint.
0: I don't think so. Apparently not much. There was an article about their choice for Ron and he found, he went to the school to look for kids and he found a Ron there or somebody, you know, little redhead <laughs> kid and they, they picked him and JK Rowling approved of the Ron choice. So like him and JK Rowling are looking at people in schools around the kids' age in the first book. So this way, while they're actually growing up in real life, they'll keep, continue to use them as guides, you know, for them to grow up. Does that make sense? Like, so Ron is yeah. growing up at the same time this real life kid is growing up. So they're casting their own characters in a way. They're casting yeah. their own trio yeah. again. Yeah, essentially. And it was, uh, like I said, approved by J.K. Rowling. At least Ron was. I, I imagine all of them are. But then oh, it's she's like... She's lowering her defenses. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like now J.K. Rowling's handling the, involved with this. Like, is this... Her head's like still in Harry Potter every day, isn't it? This play. Well, there were Fantastic five years Steve, where Pottermore. it wasn't.
2: Weren't there five years where she didn't do anything about Harry Potter Maybe. at all?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Pottermore was probably in the works, right? Because that came oh, out right, in 2011 right, right. or 12, so... Yeah, you're right. But yeah, she is still deeply involved with Harry Potter.
1: Yeah. And I, and I know that we talked about Scholastic, but in the article you mentioned that, you know, are they going to be interested after having just re-released the books with new covers this past August in doing something similar and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I bet it could depend on how successful they are.
0: Well, they'll re-release these. Uh, the, uh, the original announcement said that Bloomsbury is going to shop this series around to other publishers around the world. So, And I think Scholastic would be somebody who's interested. Um, mm-hmm. And the first one comes out in 2015. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. So so there's something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> and we're going to be, I mean, if they're releasing these a year apart, it's going to be a while before the seventh one comes out. Sort of just like how Pottermore is releasing bits at, at a time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, another uh, piece of news, and I'll try and be positive on this story, but I don't think it's going to happen. In the
0: spirit of Uh, the holidays, stay positive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I have a feeling I'm going to get some tweets or a couple of emails about uh, just uh, how I've responded to certain uh, pieces of news so far. And I I can't really say that this one is going to be any different. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron is interested in directing the Harry Potter spinoff that we spent a uh, a good portion of our last episode talking about—it's um, the new series with Newt Scamander—and I'll just leave it up to you guys to. Uh,
0: well, you should. We should add that he's a somebody—a vulture, a New York—he's a vulture. No, yes, no, no. He's a vulture. New he York-
1: ripped apart Harry Potter and the Prisoner wow. of Azkaban with his beak.
0: Now, New York Magazine, what? New York Magazine's Vulture went up to Alfonso at a party and said, Hey,
1: he's probably wasted. What do
0: you think of Fantastic Beast? So I don't want to give anybody the impression that he's been offered the directing gig. He was just asked. Um, but he said, Ask a Band was fun to make. And when I did it, I was invited to do the next one, but I didn't want to overstay the welcome because it was such an experience. But now, why not? I do have stuff that I want to do next, but a J.K. Rowling thing. Then he stopped himself and he said, they haven't called me yet. They haven't decided to invite me. I'm just looking forward at least to see it because nobody's invited me. So,
2: Look, people know I've been a little vocal before about how I feel about the third movie. Unfortunately, ever since I saw it in 2004, it hasn't really gotten any better since. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But... With this news and I've seen Gravity, which is his most recent film, and I really liked that. Thought it was uh very good uh cinematography, very good directing. Um now all I can say is, well, with Fantastic Piece, the movie, there's no book for him to ruin. There's right. there's no book for him to set fire to. So why the heck wouldn't you want him making your film? Because right. he's actually he's actually a good filmmaker. Um and with yeah. no, you know, with no source material that you can fall in love with prior to the movie coming out, unless you fall in love with the textbook, which if you are Hermione Granger, that's, that's your thing. Uh, I think it could be a really interesting film. And, you know, look, looking, at looking at, uh, Quaron's strengths, creating a world in a visual array. Like that's, he's the kind of director I think they need for this film, making creatures and characters work together with people, that sort of thing. You know, I think that he would be actually a, a strong choice for director
1: for them. Yeah, I the,
0: agree. The I mean, from. he'd essentially have a clean slate here to be working with. Like Eric said, you're not going to be comparing it to the book. And it's not like he's a bad director by any no. stretch of the imagination. So I think he would be a good choice for this. And you also have to keep in mind that um Eric just mentioned Gravity. That was produced by David Heyman, who produced all the Harry Potter movies. So... Alfonso Cuaron and, <clears throat> and David Heyman obviously have a good working relationship here between Harry Potter and now Gravity. And mm-hmm. uh, I got to speak to Heyman during when he was doing press for Gravity and he was raving about Alfonso and I didn't ask him if. I bet when I talked to him, he still hadn't been confirmed as the producer of the Harry, of this new movie. Now he is. Now we do know he is producing Fantastic Beasts, which is certainly a good sign because he had his hand in all eight Harry Potter movies. So um, I think Alfonso is actually a pretty realistic a, cho- a choice that would not surprise me given the mm-hmm. background.
1: Yeah, uh, and and I know I was a little bit. Uh... Mean? You were mean. No, I wasn't mean. You just uh, called,
0: called Alfonso Cuaron a vulture.
1: No, those yeah. were your words. I was just repeating them.
0: Um, vulture is the name but,
2: of the publication. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, you know, listening listening to you guys talk, um, I I actually agree. Huh. You know, I I think that the 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 problem for Potter fans going into this is that they're going to compare him. To what he did for Prisoner of Azkaban, and there's a lot of people who like the movie, uh, and that's true. I, I'm not trying to get into that whole debate again. I personally didn't. Uh, it was probably my least favorite of all of the movies because it was my favorite book of the series, Same. and I felt that it was not well adapted. But we can leave it at that. Uh, I, I, I what I thought immediately about when we were talking about other things that he's worked on he was a he was a producer on pan's labyrinth and that kind of reminds me a bit or, or made me think a bit um uh, as it relates to fantastic beasts because there's a lot of sort of weird creatures in that movie and quaron mm-hmm. has got a little you know crazy mind about him so uh, well, i, think, I, I it's, think it's it's could be a good it's fit for this
2: it's, it's Quaron, it's, uh, Guillermo del Toro, it's, you know, those guys are the types of guys who you think would be doing this series. And that's not to say it couldn't be light, because I do want a sort of light element to Newt's Commander, where it's adventurous. And I'm not t- necessarily talking swashbuckling, like they're not gonna get, um, Gore Verbinski to do it like he did Pirates. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it could be fun, but it, it, visually the, the film has to sell us, you know, on these creatures, whatever, whoever they may be.
0: And no matter who directs, we're all going to be very nervous as we sit down in the theater watching this for our first time because we all <laughs> want it to be really good. But there's just a lot. There's a lot of risk here. J.K. Rowling writing her for a screenplay, a Harry Potter spinoff. You know, it's it's going to be nerve wracking. It doesn't matter who directs. I don't care if your favorite director on the planet directs this movie; it, it it could still fall apart. So yeah, it's true. I think all this Alfonso Cuaron hate has been overblown for years. Not <laughs> this
1: aside. <laughs> well, so, you're, I, I, you're the I, one who called him vulture. So you're right. You're right.
2: I uh, I went to I dragged myself to Gravity and liked it. So I felt like that was me getting over a very important bump in my. In, in my uh, non-biased life road.
1: It's not that he's a bad director. It's that no, we didn't it was like fine. the movie that he directed. People <laughs> say know?
2: people say it's the best film of them all because it works as, as a, a film and not just an adaptation. Um, I say it was too dark too soon, but that's just where we stand. I say well, it omitted a
1: pretty big storyline.
0: Let's move anyway. on. Speaking of omitting things. Speaking of guys... Um, right. Speaking of human beings, here's <laughs> a story about a fictional one. So, uh, Robert Galbraith, uh, what the star of the Cuckoo's Calling, or sorry, the author of the Cuckoo's Calling was named, uh, number 28 on AskMen.com's top 49 men of 2013. Eric, how this- did you come across this?
2: This was a story, it, well, the story uh, that, that we grabbed was that he was nominated. Um, this was early, I think it was the middle of October, uh, that he was nominated for the, well, actually the most influential men. It was, uh, AskMen UK did this, did this thing where they compiled the top 49 most influential men of 2013. We knew that Robert Galbraith was, nominated and and it was caused a little bit of a stir cuz people we were like well wait a minute not only is robert galbraith not real but the person who writes as him is a woman so what's he doing on this list but it turns out that uh robert and and poor i believe the vote of the public people could vote on this um did make number 28 out of uh, 49 for most influential and i'm just going to read this summary here uh from the website uh their results poll uh, it still exists on UKSmen.com. They say, yep, it's a lady. The inner sanctum has been penetrated. Rest assured, chaps, just outside the 49, it's all above board. Mr. Galbraith had one of the most talked about books of the year with crime novel The Cuckoo's Calling, especially once his true identity was outed by a loose-lipped lawyer. All the while managing to negotiate deals for new Harry Potter films in his true form of J.K. Rowling. A pretty magical year all around then. So, this is um just kind of some, you know, really recognition for the mystique of Robert Galbraith. You know, the whole situation that happened still quite recently, September or so, made this year-end list of most influential. Um, yeah, J.K. Rowling cool. writes as a man and has a hit book. So... That was, uh, just kind of really cool to get this outside. Were uh,
1: there any other, uh, sort of fictional characters that made this list or was Robert one? No, I the really don't one? think
2: so. I'll read down from 28. Uh, Boris Johnson, Lewis Tomlinson, Peter Chichell. I'll read the top 10. Who's the top 10 men? Oh, actually, Peter Capaldi's on this list and so is Russell Brand. They're higher than 10. They're oh, all Peter real Dink- though. Yeah, Peter Dinklage makes 11. Uh, Robbie Rogers, Elon Musk, Brian Cranston's number eight, Chris Bailey, Benedict Cumberbatch is number six, George R. R. Martin is number five, Sam and Dan Houser of Grand Theft Auto producing fame uh, made number four, Sir Jonathan Ive is three, Andy Murray is two, and Stephen Fry, wow, actually makes the most influential, the top 49 man of uh, 2013. Stephen Fry, we know, uh, narrated the UK audiobooks of Harry Potter, and he's also just a cool guy who's been around forever.
0: So the final story that we have for today, Micah.
1: Yes, uh, it's it's good news, right? So well, the yeah. uh, the ribbon was cut uh, at the Anne Rowling Regenerative Neurology Clinic at Edinburgh University um, earlier uh, this year. I should say uh, is actually a couple months ago, going back to uh, October. And we know that this is something that was, uh, really a passion of J.K. Rowling's. We've talked about it on the show before that she was looking to open, uh, this clinic, uh, obviously, uh, in name of her mother. And I'm sure it will, uh, do a lot of good for a lot of people. It was initially established with a 10 million pound donation from J.K. Rowling and uh the work that's going to take place at the clinic is going to focus on finding treatments to slow the progression of multiple sclerosis and other neurological diseases uh with the ultimate aim of repairing damage uh to patients' bodies. So cool, a lot of good work. Uh and I, and I think at times uh, you know we don't talk a lot about the charitable work that JK Rowling has done mm-hmm. um but it's just it's so widespread. And a lot of times you don't even know about it. And I guess a, a lot of people would argue that that's the best kind.
0: Yeah. I remember her uh, attending the groundbreaking of that. Uh, I think it was only last year in 2012. So mm-hmm. they opened that up pretty quick. We are going to um, talk about what Harry Potter fans have to look forward to in 2014. Because there is actually a lot. And we'll get to that in a second. But first we wanted to talk about a couple of the other... Uh, Podcasts that we do uh, First of all I wanted to mention that I'm still doing podcasts on the weekly Over on Hypeable First with Hype That's our uh, bi-monthly Also known as Twice monthly Entertainment podcast talking about Harry Potter The Hunger Games uh, Doctor Who All the latest movies coming out uh, So we do that every other week And um, Mike and Eric aren't on the show But a couple of Hypeable's brighter stars are on there. Um, they're aspiring to become Micah's and Eric's one day.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, who's aspiring? Uh, the,
0: the, the, the co-hosts of Hype.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So, um, I just wanted to do a plug for that. And then also my weekly podcast, which is Hype After Dark. It's an extension of Hype of sorts. It's less entertainment, more real news, but a very fair mix of entertainment news as well. And that could be, uh, listened to via a subscription. We do four episodes a month, three ninety nine a month. Uh, you can go to hypepodcast.com for a couple samples and more information about that. And Eric? Yes, Micah and I are on a show called
2: Game of Owens, and it's all about the Game of Thrones uh, series of books and television. Uh, right now, the TV series is heading into its uh, fourth season in March, and so we are currently rereading the second book and uh, providing commentary much like we did uh, on this podcast uh, years ago with Chapter by Chapter, uh, sort of a favorite segment going through the Harry Potter books coming up with uh, what's, uh, you know, anything we really thought of that stands out, as well as clues that the author leaves before for later. George R. R. Martin is uh, very good at uh, foreshadowing and all that good stuff that literary buffs really enjoy in books. And so we do that with Game of Thrones, and uh, you should check us out. We are thrice weekly, actually. Um, and our podcast is released Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on a normal week. You can find us on iTunes at Game of Owns. Um, you can find it, us on
1: Twitter, Facebook, and probably other places as well. Yes. Just search Game of Owns.
2: Um, and also, I'm on a uh, another Harry Potter podcast called The Mora which is a global reread of the series. So, again, it's reading books and commenting. But right now, we're on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and kind of going back through the Harry Potter series with the knowledge of what we know what happens. And, uh, commenting on that. And that's a MuggleNet podcast you can find over at, uh, muggleNet.com. Uh, just search for Aloha Mora.
0: So, looking ahead at 2014, uh, we wanted to mention the things that are coming up. First of all, as we mentioned earlier today, Diagon Alley, that is going to open in June of this upcoming year. So, very close. And like we said, This January, people are going to learn a lot more about what is actually going to be inside it and hopefully get some concept art. Yeah, Um, I hope so. Something we really haven't talked about much other than the Robert Galbraith story was the fact that there should be a new um, Cuckoo's Calling book out this year. J.K. Rowling said the second one is As Good As Finished and it will be published next year, referring to 2014. So um, there's no release date, but, I mean, since the first one came out secretly in March of 2013, I would assume it was either March or April. I I mean, I don't know if I'm being too uh, presumptuous here, but I would assume it comes out around the same time, especially since when the official website went live back in like September or August, it said that the second book was already finished. So Mm. it's got to be soon.
2: Yeah, I think it's very likely that we'll see it in 2014. And and probably, you know, if not in April, then then by June or so, I think it would probably come out.
0: So it's not an encyclopedia, but it is a new J.K. Rowling book. There you go. And, uh, you know, over the next year, we're going to get news about that Harry Potter play and also the Fantastic Beasts. There's still no release date for Fantastic Beasts, but I, my guess is if it's arriving in 2016, if it's actually going to hit theaters in 2016, we're going to get a release date sometime in 2014, because they usually like to plan these out about two years in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, once we get a release date, we can finally start, you know, counting down and, looking forward to the studio having to reach deadlines. Maybe J.K. Rowling will turn the script in in the next year, and then the casting process will begin. And before that, there will be the director. You can just
1: call up David Heyman. And you seem him. like you have a good relationship with him now, uh, Andrew. So.
0: Yeah, we're buddies. Yeah. We
1: yeah, hang so out in L.A. You, you probably know more, actually, than you're saying right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I did, I would spoil it all right now.
1: Uh, you would.
0: And then finally... We also have to look forward to, we can never forget because it's always lingering there in the background, waiting for us to enter and log in with our weird usernames. It's <laughs> Pottermore. Pottermore. Actually, they released uh, one section of it. JK. Rowling... CEO. <laughs> yeah, they did. That did have oh, CEO left. No, I was going to say JK Rowling released new information on Tonks and um Lupin, their relationship, their whole backstory and I remember I did a whole article about it on Hypable earlier this year, and people were really interested because that's a popular relationship in the books. And F- J.K. Rowling finally released some really cool background information. So maybe we'll get new, big new stuff like that this year. Yeah. I mean, I think she the Pottermore is still kind of on
2: Goblet of Fire. It's um, kind of on? Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you don't know how often they're going to release. So they are. Uh, but there's there's a a lot of books ahead and a lot of content still to be released. So, whatever that pacing is, I think it's safe to say we will see
1: more in in 2014.
2: For a
0: little while, it seemed like it was every few months, like every three, four months. But then I don't. That seemed to they're
1: on stop. they're on holiday break. I I, mean, I got an email from them actually um, last week. I would say saying, "Oh, head on over to Pottermore and check out uh, how it's all set up for the holidays." So uh, you, yeah. yeah. They are, uh, they're trying to engage people. But and they made a know.
0: big announcement. I'm sorry, but just one Pottermore oh, critique. Oh, go ahead. They made a big announcement about the fact that they put snow on Pottermore.com. Come on. Come <laughs> it's on. snow. No. No. <laughs> this isn't news. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, it's, uh, man, I want Pottermore to be good. I really do. I'm rooting for it. And, of course,
2: if that ever happens, we will be here to report on it. There will be a uh, a couple more episodes, I think, we can say next year. Um, we're still very irregular. You know, when the news happens, we'll cover it. But uh, I think it's safe to say this, this still
0: isn't the very last of MuggleCast, uh, mm-hmm. in case
2: any listeners were worried.
0: Probably not. I'm looking back in the Pottermore blog, and um, it looks like they released... Go- uh, Goblet of Fire chapters in October. And I think that was the last time. Because mm. I don't remember anything in November. and Definitely not in December. So, Oh,
2: well, Hufflepuffs won the uh, House Cup, by the way. The fourth uh, House Cup. I yeah. Was
0: happy. So they got early access to the yeah, first Goblet do, of Fire chapters. Yeah, they do. They do
2: that every time a chapter is about to open or a book is about to open or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so. they do. That's like one of the rewards. And they're revealing new Pottermore stuff. At a celebration of Harry Potter in January at the Wizarding World Park in Orlando, so I assume.
1: Are you going, chapters, Andrew?
0: I don't know yet. I don't know. I heard Keith is going, or hoping to go. Not sure. I think it's. Uh, I think
2: Kat's going. I don't know which one of them is going in January.
0: Um. Yeah. So that happens at the end of January. Uh, yeah. So that's what's happening in 2014, and who knows what other surprises jk rowling will drop on
2: us (laughs) how many more extended, expanded
0: expanded harry potter canon
2: universe things she'll allow to happen
0: you just never know with her she dropped three surprises on us uh, surprises on us this year um the new book cuckoo's calling and Mm -hmm. then fantastic beasts and now this harry potter play even though it seems like they didn't want it to be announced this early the daily mail
1: ruined that but
0: hey whatever (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's what they do
0: yeah right
2: they ruin whether it's
1: true or not
2: uh, well we talked about um, Fantastic piece, and last episode uh, was all devoted to the news because it was still hot um, we did ask I believe for some of your thoughts on who should play the lead role of Newt Scamander and just before we wrap up uh, this episode and the year I wanted to include some of this uh, feedback we got uh first suggestion uh Micah, do you want to read this
1: yeah the first suggestion comes from katie mancuso and she says first of all it was like a blast from the past listening to you guys (laughs) my childhood revisited (laughs) i haven't listened in so long honestly thought you guys had ended your run a while back anyways this might be typecasting but i would love to see matt smith play this role (laughs) I think he do wonderfully at it. I've seen many other people thinking the same thoughts. He does say he's unemployed for the time. I'm sold, though. Matt Smith all the way. (laughs) I don't know who Matt Smith is.
0: Oh, really? He's the Uh, doctor. (laughs) He's Dr. Eleven. He's
1: Dr. Eleven from Doctor Who, I'm
2: assuming. I don't know how that's typecasting, though, because Newt isn't really a doctor. He's a writer. There needs
1: to be pictures in here, Eric. You can't just... Oh, or maybe, or maybe we
0: just need to fire you and find somebody who's a little more up on their pop culture. The,
2: yeah, absolutely. Well, he's a traveler. I guess that's uh, where the two are alike, but, um, you know, in their roles. But uh, next one comes from uh, Roshni um, Bampwani. And uh, they say, I'm. Yeah, at- I wanted Andrew to read that one. Oh, Andrew, why don't you butcher this for <laughs> us?
0: <laughs> Roshni B. She writes. <laughs> you see, you're smart. You've learned. She's at work listening to our quick fan casting. Uh, by the way, on the last episode, we asked people to send these emails in. So I, th- that's why we got these. Um, Rushney suggests, uh, Joseph Gordon. Love The first thing I did after hearing the news was look for a Muggle cast episode. Thanks for coming through. Midnight premieres, costumes, conventions, and insanity. Here we come. So she's pumped for the Just Harry Potter bit spinoff. Bit dressing up Joseph and- Gordon. Love it. I'll, it can actually work, uh, maybe, because Fantastic Beast is going to be set in New York, so it could be an American wizard. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is American. Matt Smith is British. Hmm. Uh, so, actually, I, I'm going to look really quick. I don't know if we know if the character of Newt Scamander is American or British. I think he is British. Um. He eventually becomes
2: uh, Headmaster Popper, but only according to the movie's...
0: Yeah. Um, so if you moved to New York, then I think they would want to keep it as a British cast. So as much as people love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he probably can't get it. That's my thought. But that's mm-hmm. a good choice if you—if only he were British.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely for a supporting role, I'd love to see him in the movie because I like that guy. You know,
0: mm-hmm. like um, the brother, Newt's like the br- <laughs> Newt's brother Cornwall. <laughs> I just made that up. Some other lame name that isn't suited for Hollywood. <laughs> Meg- Megan Utterbeck uh, wrote in and said that
2: uh, I think Ben Barnes would make a great Newt Scamander. He's the right age, he's good looking, and he's not too famous. I really want to see them do the Sphinx since it's one of my favorite creatures. So I also want to see Blessed and Scroots, because I can never properly imagine them. Um, okay, so Ben Barnes, um, for those who don't know, was cast as Prince Caspian in the in two of the uh, Narnia films. Are I believe you, he's Australian.
1: Are you suggesting that I didn't know who that was?
2: I was suggesting that there may be people out there who don't know because, like Megan said, I didn't know. Like. Like I didn't Megan know who said that he was some people he doesn't really jump out, but um he was Prince Caspian in two of the Narnia the uh movies that they did, the second two. And uh you know, I like him. I think he's Australian. Um he seems like he would be uh as good a choice as any for a newt.
0: But the Chronicles of Narnia now has the new movie in the work, so could he be tied up with that? Is uh he- which which is it? The, the silver, silver Chair? Silver Chair, yeah. He's uh Caspian
2: isn't a character in that book.
0: Oh, okay, so he's open. He is open.
1: All right. Um, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Final email is from Carlos Rodriguez, and he says, Thank you for that podcast. First ever I have heard, so I'm glad to hear it. As for an actor to play the 20-year-old protagonist, even though he isn't super young, maybe Benedict Cumberbatch, the guy who played Sherlock Holmes in PBS. Just an idea. He really he's really awesome looking, too, in my opinion. take care.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, Benedict's also not a bad choice. These are I see our listeners went with well-known people for their choices, and that's OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may pick an unknown, though, or somebody who isn't as well-known. And that's completely possible. I think that'd be a good idea. I mean, look how Dan Radcliffe turned out. Yeah. They just, they just need to pick somebody good looking. And I mean that seriously, because the, uh if they want to have another big franchise for young adults, you got to pick a uh, attractive male lead. So, yeah. So uh, we'll see who they go with. I'm excited that that'll be a, that'll be a very exciting day when that's announced.
2: Agreed. Maybe they'll do casting calls and we can all go and apply.
0: <laughs>
2: Maybe, but we're not British, so. Oh darn. We have to we have to do the uh sidekick character, the uh goofy American nerd friend. Yeah. We'll be the Ron Weasley of Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> hey, it's
0: possible. You want to read the last email, Eric?
2: Yeah, this uh is also about uh, Fantastic Beasts, but it's not casting info. Uh it comes from or casting suggestion. It comes from Celia Cleveland. Lots of extra A's in that uh name, now that I'm looking at it. Celia says Hey guys, long time listener, a few times emailer here. Great to hear you guys again so soon, just when I was lamenting about not hearing your familiar voices. Ha we did it again. I'm super excited about this news, but sadly cannot find my copy of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It was my favorite of the two extra books, with Quidditch Through the Ages, back in the day, since I love animals. The beats I remember the most, oops, oh, sorry, I believe that's supposed to be the beasts I remember the most, since it has been a while, were the ones you mentioned on the show, Lethifold, the Neasel, which apparently had limited speech and Crookshanks was in part, and a Krupp, the Jack Russell with a forked tail that barked at muggles. Wouldn't it be cute for Newt's Commander to have a little pet Krupp? Also, I seem to remember that Vila were included in the book and finding that odd because I thought... I figured they counted more like beings. Have a good one. Sincerely. Seek cat. My
0: Luckily for you, uh, you're... Sorry, how do you pronounce her name again?
2: Ooh, uh, I think this so, is just... I Celia. is being Celia.
0: Yeah. Celia or Cece. Um, They... On bookstore shelves now is the Hogwarts Library, which comes with Fantastic Beasts, uh, Quidditch for the Ages, and beetle the bard so i saw Beedle that the at barnes is, and noble the other day
2: yeah beetle the bard is a good book like i recently reread it, is. it i held out reading it i think for like a year or i remember
0: point. that yeah that was yeah weird. i don't know
2: why who knows what i was thinking i was young you I were going with. through a phase I was, <laughs> I was going through a phase uh but i finally read it and i like it and so the fact that they're packaged together and it's all for charity and yeah, yeah definitely if you celia if you haven't found your book by now it's time to get a new one
0: definitely well, that concludes this surprise episode of MuggleCast, episode 271. We wish everybody a happy holiday, a happy new year, a 2014 filled with magic and Harry Potter. In years past, we would be playing that New Year's music. What is that music, Micah? You are always hellbent on us, including that. Old Lang Syne. No,
1: what, yes, are, what are you talking about? That one. Yeah, well, it's Old Lang Syne performed by Andrew's favorite musician.
0: Oh Bruce Springsteen. Oh that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot <laughs> now about we that. will play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now it's definitely that's how it's going. No, no, no. Um but yeah, so uh we're glad and we Yeah,
1: could. you should play that at the end of the show.
0: <laughs> See, always have <help laughs> on with that tradition. Being included. Uh for legal reasons we can't. Mhm. Just kidding. That's just my excuse. <laughs> uh yeah, so we're glad we could put out this surprise episode for everybody now that everybody's got a little downtime over the holiday season, hopefully can curl up next to the fireplace with Micah's voice. What can be better? Not a whole lot. Micah Fireside Chat, that's what can make it better. Maybe next year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll happily record one if you want to. Really?
0: You seemed against it in the we tried to bring you back into that, and you were like, "No, I don't want to do it."
1: No, I'll record something. No. Sure, g- give me a passage from the Potter series, and I'll I'll record it.
0: No, but wasn't the fun that you're reading fan fiction, like dirty? Oh fan
1: yeah, fiction? oh yeah. You're right. You're right. Give me a fan fiction. I'll record it, and you can play it at the end of the episode.
2: I'm finding the one with McGonagall and the turkey leg at Grimald Place at Thanksgiving
1: dinner.
0: Find that one. We'll include it, or whatever yep. Micah does. We'll include it.
1: I'll I'll be <laughs> sure to. To what? record
0: record it <laughs> okay
1: something There's about got, no problem doing that
0: okay 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 Great. all right uh don't forget everybody feel free to visit the MuggleCast website now with a complete set of transcripts thank you to the transcribers for doing that for us for helping us complete that monumental project
2: Yes, and in order to thank you, we gave you another
0: episode to transcribe. Right. That's why we have another episode, because we were like, we need the transcribers to do something
1: it's else. It's funny. Uh, I emailed uh, Tracy, who's in charge of the transcripts, <laughs> to tell her <laughs> that everything had been posted um, to the site, and I said, uh, just so you're aware, there's a good chance we might uh, be doing an episode in the <laughs> not too distant future. Uh, but she, uh, she was very excited about it, though. She was very uh, happy. Uh, she's a uh, She's a listener as well as a transcriber. So uh, thank you to Tracy and all your team. You guys have done an amazing job putting over eight years of uh, the nonsense that we do uh, into written word.
2: Yeah, And thank you to all the listeners who are still subscribed to us and saw this uh, podcast pop up into your feed.
0: Thank you for not clicking unsubscribe once we said we ended. All right, and we'll see everybody next time, whenever that may be, for episode 272. Goodbye.
1: Happy New Year. Twas the night before Christmas with Snape by D.A.D.A. underscore mistress. Twas the night before Christmas, and throughout Hogwarts school not a creature was stirring except Filch, that old fool. The stockings were charmed by the chimney with care and would enlarge when St. Nicholas came over there. Hermione, the head girl, was snug in her bed, while visions of the potions master danced in her head. With her hair pulled back toward her neck at the nape, she settled her head to dream about Snape. When out on the lawn there arose such a noise, must be Harry and Ron, she thought, oh, those boys. She went to the window and listened for sounds, then she heard this from out. On the grounds, on hand me, you oaf! She heard a man hiss, "You'd better stop now, because I'm getting pissed." She was utterly shocked to hear such a fuss, and later she blushed when she heard the man cuss. Suddenly, her wandering eyes did appear—a miniature sleigh with eight tiny reindeer, with a fat man merry driver and a bag full of toys. She knew in a moment. It wasn't the boys. However, there was something strange with the elf. It seemed that he wasn't completely by himself. There was another passenger as Saint Nick came, and this guy called Santa all kinds of rude names. Take me back to my dungeons, the man said in a sneer. I guarantee that you am your worst fear. Get me back on the ground and out of the sleigh, and if you don't do it quickly, then you shall pay. "'Santa merely laughed out loud without care "'as his reindeer continued to fly toward her room in the air. "'Hermione watched wide-eyed in surprise "'as the man mumbled something about Santa's demise. "'And then, in a twinkling, she heard on the roof "'the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. "'I'm not going in there,' she heard turning around, "'and down the chimney St. Nicholas and friend came with a bound.' Hermione stood there with her mouth all agape when she saw Santa's friend was Professor Snape. "'Oh, did Santa hear her secret Christmas wish?' "'Close your mouth,' Snape snapped. "'You look like a fish.' "'St. Nicholas,' Hermione finally cried. "'What are you doing with him at your side?' "'Hermione Granger,' St. Nick said, stepping from the flue. "'I have some great news.' just for you. You've been a good girl and studied all day, despite that the newts are so far away. You helped Harry defeat Voldemort and his men, making sure they don't return ever again. You have all this knowledge, yet you never boast, but instead you tutor those who need it most. You've done a great job as head girl this year. Stop rhyming, Snape demanded, with a twisted sneer. Santa ignored him and continued to speak, while Snape mumbled something about being a freak. Saint Nick, Hermione said, without further delay, what is it exactly you're trying to say? With a twinkle he smiled, dear Hermione, your heart is as big as Flitwick is tiny. With that in mind, how could I just ignore the one wish for Christmas you so long for? Santa, Hermione gasped, could it really be? "'that you are giving Severus Snape to me? "'This is absurd,' Snape spat, "'and will simply not do. "'Don't worry, Santa Grinned. "'I didn't forget you. "'Severus Snape, you have been a good man. "'You fought against evil and foiled its plans. "'You've endured all these years without any thanks, "'and many children who pull nothing but pranks. "'You have changed your old ways and all for the best. "'You deserve happiness.' and even some rest. This is why, Severus, I say unto you that your secret wish will also come true. Hermione and Snape stared on in their PJs, their eyes locking onto each other's deep gaze. Did the other know what Santa was talking about? They supposed that night the truth would finally come out. You see, Santa said, this Christmas you both chose, to give up the gifts, the stockings, and the bows. If you could have the love from one another, so this Christmas my gift to you is each other. What? both student and teacher asked in surprise. Santa laughed as he saw the shock in their eyes. I must be off, he said. Merry Christmas, you two. Then Santa went out of the room through the flue. Leaving Hermione and Snape alone in the room, wondering if this would be their bliss, or their doom. Miss Granger, Snape began with a heavy sigh. Please, sir, Hermione, is all she could reply. Hermione, I'm sorry you heard what he said. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll go make him dead. No, please, Hermione cried. What he says was all true. Professor Snape, I deeply love you. Snape stared back at her with a poisonous glare, but she saw in his eyes there was no hatred there. "'I am not a fool,' he hissed in her face. "'You're trying to make me look a disgrace.' "'Not in the least,' she said, grabbing his hands. "'Not even for all the gold in the land. "'I love you, Severus, and my words are true. "'But I must know now, do you love me too?' "'Snape looked in her eyes and saw what she did feel. "'He didn't need legilimens to see it was real.' Could he trust his heart with the smarty pants he took in a breath and then took a chance? Yes, he said softly, Hermione, I do. With all of myself, I love you too. Hermione smiled and threw her arms around him. He hugged her back, his face without grim. Suddenly over their heads came a loud pop. They took up to see what was hanging on top. Hermione blushed while Snape gave an "Oh!" Right above them hung some mistletoe. They looked at each other and showed a grin. At last they began to slowly move in. Finally, as their lips met and gave a long kiss, they both thought to themselves, this is the best Christmas. Santa gave a laugh, as happy as can be, that they were together, Snape and Hermione. And they heard him exclaim, after all of the fun, Happy Christmas to all, and Albus, you owe me one.